365 reading today, December the 12th. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, a heart to respond. Give us that anointing, Lord. Let us listen to learn and learn to listen in what your word and what you're telling us through nature and through signs and wonders, Lord. Thank you for the supply. Lord, we ask you for the supply. Yet, even if the supply is not here yet, it will surely come if we should have it. It will surely come in Jesus' name. Amen. Reading from Amos chapter 7 to chapter 9, let us reflect on some of the commentaries from the Recovery Bible and the New Living Testament Bible. Reflections on Amos. This is insight into God's person and will. In Amos chapter 5, verse 6 through 14, the prophet describes a life of recovery. Recovery from sin, from anger, from disgruntle, <laughs> disgruntle, even gruntle. It comes from God alone, not from anywhere else. A design for living, God has commenced a life of recovery. To seek God, to seek God means to admit our helplessness and commit our lives to Him. Letting Him change us, but how do we avoid the various failures mentioned in these verses? God reveals Himself uniquely in the Bible. It is our unfallible guide to the truth. We need to seek God's will through His Word and, with His help, live by it. The Creator and Sustainer of the universe is described in the book of Amos. When we seek God, we seek the all-powerful Creator of all things. Amos 5, verses 8 through 9. He created the stars and the rest of the universe from nothing. He controls both day and night and makes it rain. He cannot be hindered or stopped by the best human efforts. When we commit our life to Him, we can be sure that He is capable of helping us change. Amen. Amen and amen. Now, in, let me go ahead and keep reading on the insight and reflection on the last few chapters of Amos. We're finishing up that book today. In chapter 7, God would not hold back His judgment any longer. He took a plumb line, a device used to measure the straightness of a wall, to see just how Israel measured up to His righteous standards. God looks at our lives with a plumb line, the Bible, His Word to us. On our own, we, we, when we look at our lives, our lives may seem straight and strong. But if we measure ourselves with God's plumb line, we would see that we are weak and sinful. Praying to God for help is the way to start the process towards a life 
in line with God's standards. When Amos faced opposition, he remained faithful to God and boldly preserved in what he knew to be God's will. God had called him to enter new territory, and he has done it courageously. We will face opposition and recovery, especially when we bring others the good news of restoration. People may feel threatened by our progress and want to see us fail, so they won't feel guilty about their own lifestyle. When we are being attacked, we may feel like giving up and giving in, giving in to others. But we must persevere, trusting God for protection and strength. Fernando says, hang in there, thank God through the situation, praise God. Usually when an enemy is attacking us, it's because we know deep in our hearts that we can do better with God. For instance, for myself, I, I could do better by, by reading John 14, 15, 16, and 17, the night before, a love chapter, and then reading 1 John 1 through 5 in the morning to the love chapter to get myself ready for the day, ready to hang in there and have rhinoceros skin and praise God to stand up for the battle, folks. We encourage you to keep praising God and thanking Him and doing the right thing. Stay strong and do the right thing. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Just keep repeating that to yourself. God's will come. God's word will come. The Israelites served material well instead of God. They robbed the poor and were dishonest with the people. They sat through worship service but couldn't wait to cheat their helpless customers. The Israelites demonstrated the negative consequences of their addiction to material goods. Dishonesty, morbid or dependent on others, irresponsibility, and spiritual deadness. Serving wealth is common in our society, maybe even a way of life for some of us. But if we are devoted to money, we cannot be serving God. We must decide who our master will be. God, who offers eternal life and peace or money, which can never satisfy us. Why couldn't the people find the word of the Lord? It wasn't because God was silent. He spoke through the prophets. The people couldn't find God's word because they were looking in the wrong places. They were looking for revelation from the false gods. They were looking for revelations in dreams and not getting into God's word. They were looking for revelations with signs and wonders without getting into God's words. God's people could not hear God speak to them until they admitted their sins and helplessness. They needed to seek God alone and nothing else. We too must stop trusting the idols we count on to get us through our days in order to hear the truth of God's word. Only the hope God's word offers us can truly satisfy it is our responsibility to commit our lives to God. We cannot begin recovery unless we do. Psalm 139 speaks reassuringly of God's presence with those who seek Him. Amos speaks to the terrible consequences for those who refuse to commit their lives to Him and continue in sin. 
Earthly recovery and eternal life are available to all who repent and ask God to rescue them from their past sins and mistakes. Refusal to admit the truth can be dangerous. Outward appearances seem to deny the truth of what Amos was saying. The nation was prosperous, enemies were weak, the military was strong, alliances were made with Egypt and other nations. Inwardly, however, the people were diseased. Israel's spiritual sickness would lead ultimately to his destruction. The people denied the truth. Later, they were destroyed and taken captive to Assyria. Denial can cost us our lives and our happiness. We must admit the truth to ourselves and to God so we can begin our recovery and enjoy the fulfillment he offers. God is committed to helping his people recover. He restores what is broken and ruined changing barren land to a place of unprecedented fruitfulness. This can only happen when we see how helpless we are without God and commit our lives into His hands. The process will be painful as we grow spiritually, but the end result will be worth it. Again, I'm Fernando. To take this by faith and truth, that if you worship and you thank God in the midst of the problem, he will, he will come little by little to insert the healing process. And any loss, praise and thank God. He's the only one that can restore it and make it right and get use out of it. What are you going to do with a, holding on to a grudge, an offense, or a hurt? Or you got side swipe and you're in a wheelchair and you're resentful. What do you? <clears throat> we're playing God. Let God justify it. Just start <clears throat> thanking God for where you're at and His love and His assurance, peace of mind will come and energy and satisfaction and a pleasing contentment will come. When we thank and we praise the Lord for our wrongs, for our past wrongs, for our current wrongs, for our future wrongs, you know what happens? You just turn on a light in a dark room. It's as simple as that. Each room has a label on it. Say, for instance, you have one that says pornography. You go into the room of pornography, and it's dark, right? Then you start thanking God you're in the room. You, Even though you willingly opened the door and went in there. You start thanking him and praising him. Boy, you're destroying the enemy. You're, now you're committing sabotage, arson, inside the enemy's camp. He's in there. So you might as well destroy him by praising the, the Lord while you're in the enemy's room. And we allowed them to get in there through lust, through uh, greed, through anger, resentments, indifferences. Amen. May the word of God come through. This message is not for all of us. Some of us cannot handle what I'm saying. To thank God that I my feet hurt. To thank God that I got a pain. That my wife spends all the money. That I don't have a wife. Yep. 
It's got to be different than our normal thinking. Our normal thinking has been taking us through all these years. Look back. What has our normal thinking done? Just start letting go and thanking God and obeying. Our blessings in is in obedience. Our blessings are in the tambourine. You know, I was telling some friends of us, it seems like we, we run into a situation and we have to thank God. And what God is doing, He's heating up the molecules around us because that's where we asked Him, where we wanted to go. He heats up the molecules by us thanking Him and praising Him for the problem, even though we don't understand the problem. Better yet, when we don't understand it, that's the best time to keep praising and thanking and turning on worship and country and Western worship songs, worship songs from Joseph Garlington from the 90s, you know, Maranatha. All these worship songs, just have them playing in the background and start praising and singing songs to the Lord. And we're heating up the molecules. We're fighting the forces of evil. We're changing them back. That's what we can do. We can't just sit around and say, okay, well, it's in God's hands. Well, you know, we can do something. We can change things and we can praise the Lord. Amen. It's effective and experience it as you do it. It may take you three months, make it three years. So be it. We're in it to win it. It might take you three days. It might take you 30 minutes. It's my experience. Amen. All right. Let's go ahead and start reading chapter 7 of Amos to chapter 9. The sovereign Lord showed me Amos, a vision, I saw him preparing to send a vast swarm of locusts over the land. This was after the king's share had been harvested from the fields and as the main crop was coming up. In my vision, the locusts ate every green plant in sight. Then I said, O sovereign Lord, please forgive us or we will not survive for Israel is so small. So the Lord relented from his plan. I will not do this, he said. Then the sovereign Lord showed me in another vision. I saw him preparing to punish his people with a great fire. The fire had burned up the depths of the sea and was devouring the entire land. Then I said, O sovereign Lord, please stop or we will not survive for Israel is so small. Then the Lord relented from his plan too. I will not do that either, said the foreign Lord. Excuse me, the sovereign Lord. Then he showed me another vision. I saw the Lord standing beside a wall that had been built using a plumb line. He was using a plumb line to see if it was still straight. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? I answered a plumb line. And the Lord replied, I will test my people with this plumb line. I will no longer ignore all their sins the pagan shrines of your ancestors will be ruined and the temples of Israel will be destroyed. I will bring the dynasty of King Jeroboam to a sudden end. <clears throat> then Amasiah, the priest of Bethel, sent a message to Jeroboam, king of Israel. Amos is hatching a plot against you right here on your very doorstep. 
What he is saying is intolerable. He is saying Jeroboam will soon be killed and the people of Israel will be sent away into exile. Then Amasiah sent orders to Amos, Get out of here, you prophet. Go on back to the land of Judah and earn your living by prophesying there. Don't bother us with your prophecies here in Bethel. This is the king's sanctuary and the nation place of worship, the national place of worship. But Amos replied, I am not a professional prophet, and I was never trained to be one. I am just a shepherd, and I take care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord called me away from my flock and told me, Go and prophesy to my people in Israel. Now then, listen to this message from the Lord. You say, don't prophesy again, Israel. Stop preaching against my people. But this is what the Lord says. Your wife will become a prostitute in this city, and your sons and daughters will be killed. Your land will be divided up, and you yourself will die in a foreign land. And the people of Israel will certainly become captives in exile far from this homeland. Then the sovereign Lord showed me another vision. In it, I saw a basket filled with ripe fruit. What do you see, Amos? he asked. I replied, a basket full of ripe fruit. Then the Lord said, like this fruit, Israel is ripe for punishment. I will not delay their punishment again. In that day, the singing in the temple will turn to wailing. Dead bodies will be scattered everywhere. They will be carried out of the city in silence. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. Listen to this, you who rob the poor and trample down the needy. You can't wait for the Sabbath day to be over and the religious festival to end so you can get back to cheating the helpless. You measure our grain with dishonest measures and sheep the buyers with dishonest scales. And you mix the grain you sell with shafts swept from the floor. Then you enslave poor people for one piece of silver or a pair of sandals. Now the Lord has sworn this oath by his own name, the pride of Israel. I will never forget the wicked things you have done. The earth will tremble for your deeds and everyone will mourn. The ground will rise like the Nile River at flood time. It will heap up, then sink again. In that day, says the Simon Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth and darken the earth while it is still day. I will turn your celebrations into times of mourning and your singing into weeping. You will wear funeral clothes and shave your heads to show your sorrow. As if your only son had died, how very bitter that day will be. The time is surely coming, says the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and wander from border to border, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Beautiful girls and strong young men will grow faint in that day. Thirsting for the Lord's word. And those who swear by the shameful idols of Samaria, 
who take oath in the name of the God of Dan and make vows in the name of the God of Beersheba, they will all fall down never to rise. Chapter 9. Then I saw a vision of the Lord standing beside the altar. He said, Strike the tops of the temple columns so that the foundations will shake. Bring down the roof on the heads of the people below. I will kill with the sword those who survive. No one will escape. Even if they dig down to the place of the dead, I will reach down and pull them up. Even if they climb up into the heavens, I will bring them down. Even if they hide at the very top of Mount Carmel, I will search them out and capture them. Even if they hide at the bottom of the ocean, I will send the sea serpent after them to bite them. Even if their enemies drive them into exile, I will command the sword to kill them there. I am determined to bring disaster upon them and not to help them. The Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies touches the land and it melts and all his people mourn. The ground rises like the Nile River at flood time. And then it sinks again. The Lord's home reaches up to the heavens while its foundations is on the earth. He draws up water from the oceans and pours it down as rain on the land. The Lord is his name. Are you Israelites more important to me than the Ethiopians? Asked the Lord. I brought Israel out of Egypt, but I also brought the Philistines from Crete and led the Arameans, Arameans out of Kir, Kir, Kir. I, the sovereign Lord, am watching the sinful nation of Israel. I will destroy it from the face of the earth, but I will never completely destroy the family of Israel, says the Lord. For I will give the command and will shake Israel along with the other nations. As grain is shaken in a, in a sieve, yet no one true kernel will be lost, not one true. But all the sinners will die by the sword, all those who say nothing bad will happen to us. In that day, I will restore the fallen house of David. I will repair its damages walls. From the ruins, I will rebuild it and restore its former glory. And Israel will possess what is left of Edom and all the nations I have called to be mine. The Lord has spoken and he will do these things. The time will come, says the Lord, when the grain and grapes will grow faster than they can be harvested. Then the terraced vineyards on the hills of Israel will drip with sweet wine. I will bring my exiled people of Israel back from distant lands, and they will rebuild their ruined cities and live in them again. They will plant vineyards and gardens. They will eat their crops and drink their wine. I will firmly plant them there in their own land. They will never again be uprooted from the land I have given them. Says the Lord, your God. The time will come, says the Lord, when the grains and grapes will grow faster than they can be harvested. See, when we thank God for a situation, that's what happens. When the grains and grapes will grow faster than can be harvested. 
Amen. Praise God. And that was the reading and the commentary on Amos, the remaining of Amos chapter 7 through chapter 9. Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you, Lord God, for our lives. We thank you for the lives of our children, Lord God, that they may pay attention and look to you, Lord, and praise you and worship you as the mighty God, creator of heaven and earth. Lord, we thank you, Jesus Christ, for what you've done in the cross for us. You allow us to enter the kingdom and to know Father as Father. Father, we thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, and dying for us. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to remind us of what Jesus has said. And we worship you and we praise you. We thank you for allowing us to come into your kingdom and be part of your plan, Lord. Part of your decree, Lord. My people shall praise me and worship and thank me. My people shall be a peculiar people, says the Lord. Amen and amen. Praise God. And now for the reading of the New Testament. In the New Testament, some believers promise to protect you from the great time of testing. means there will be a future time of great tribulation from which true believers will be spared. Others interpret this to mean that the church will go through this time of tribulation, but that God will keep them strong in the midst of it. Still others believe this refers to a time of great distress in general, the church suffering throughout history. And they're talking about Revelation chapter 3. This verse does not indicate when or how long Christians will experience the great time of testing. And that's chapter 3, verse 10. What it does affirm is that Jesus will protect and care for those who persevere. We can confidently trust that Jesus is not detached from the trials we face. He will be involved through them all. John 16.33 Today, believers around the world suffer and die at the hands of God's enemies. To these believers, trusting Jesus requires great faith, believing that He is doing what He's promised. For them, the debate over when this time of testing will happen is irrelevant. They are facing great persecution today. Like them, we should focus our hearts on faithfulness and obedience in the present and trust God for the future. Amen and amen. And I will go ahead and read our portion for today in Revelations. But let me see what... The commentary for the Recovery Bible says about this chapter. We certainly don't want to miss out on any revelation on that area. Okay, chapter 3. It says, The church in Philadelphia was not strong, but it had remained obedient to God and stood firm against satanic oppression. Cool. So Christ promised his church protection from the greatest time of tribulation that would ever come upon the world. He encouraged them to hold on to what they had, promising that they would live forever with Christ in his new Jerusalem. This promise had been greatly delayed, but that doesn't make it any less secure. We have this same hope if we entrust our lives to God through faith in Jesus Christ. 
through the though the years of recovery may seem long, our hope in God's eternal deliverance is just as certain. Amen. Now remember, it says right here, the church in Philadelphia was not strong, okay? Kind of like we are. But it had remained obedient to God, kind of like we are. And we stood firm against satanic oppression. How? By praising and thanking Jesus, by bringing the commander-in-chief in our, by our side and his angels. How about, how about that? How do we bring the commander-in-chief around us? With a tambourine, folks. And being, the key word here is obedient. Obedient to the last days. Being full of love means full of wisdom, full of the presence of the creator of the earth. And you, you'll see his glory open right in front of you by what I'm telling you. And what's, you know, what's your greatest fuel for praise and worship? Does this rot, the failures, persecutions, the people talking about you? You put all that in the incinerator. Your failures, your offenses, your habits, our habits, our wrongs. We put them in the incinerator of praise. And turn it into fuel to praise the Lord, family of God. This works, it really does. We may feel like love just doesn't seem to work for us sometimes. We may wonder if we are doing wrong, something wrong. Perhaps we have problems loving because we are disconnected from the source of true love. The Apostle John wrote, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. 1 John chapter 4, 7 and 8. Jesus said, I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I loved you. You should love each other. John thirteen thirty four. Trying to love without first receiving God's love is just like trying to water something with a hose that's disconnected from the faucet. When we receive God's unconditional love, we can begin to love ourselves. We are then told to love others as we love ourselves and as Jesus has loved us. There is a boundless reservoir of love available to us, but without receiving the love of God in Christ, we will quickly run dry. Jesus is waiting for us to open our hearts to receive his love. He said, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Revelation 3.20 Love is waiting. We receive it when we open up to the love God offers us. Amen. And how do we open up to the love God offers us? We thank Him for our mishaps our misfit situations. We thank Him for our embarrassing situations. We praise Him for that we need a Savior, guys. We praise Him and we thank Him for anything that was done to you as a child, anything you did done to, wrong to a child. You praise Him and worship Him and thank Him for that incident. He will burn it up. You will use it as fuel. You'll be called the righteous. You'll turn it into righteousness. Because we will allow the Holy One to enter into our hearts. 
by praising and worshiping. Sounds too good, too easy? The believers in Laodicea were engaged in full-blown denial. Though they portrayed themselves as being self-sustained and having no needs, Christ saw their situation differently. To him, they were spiritually blind and destitute. But worst of all, they were spiritually indifferent, lukewarm. Sometimes after making progress in recovery, we grow indifferent to our new lifestyle. We forget how desperate we were before interim recovery and that God is the one who set us free. We forget that. We begin to long for things that we will lead us back into bondage. We can avoid that long slide backwards by taking honest moral inventory and getting back on track. Amen. The Apostle John saw this particular scene in God's heavenly throne room. Chapter 4 and 5 through 14. While he was a prisoner in the island of Patmos. We may also be living in bondage and feeling hopeless and trapped and distant from help or deliverance. But like John, we can draw close to God even when the world around us is is dark and foreboding. John's vision of heaven and revelation gave him the hope he needed to face the lonely days ahead. And the record the apostles and the record that the apostle left us can give us the hope he needed to face the lonely days ahead. Excuse me. And the record the apostle left us can give us hope during hard times. Two, even when we are alone and helpless, God is still with us and we can draw near to him. God's grace and power are never limited by this circumstances we are in. Two principles from this passage can encourage us as we work towards recovery. The fact that 24 elders represent the people of God shows that believers are honored significantly by God in heaven. Two, the diverse appearance of the four living beings implies that God wants us all to be unique, utilizing our special characteristics for His glory. That means praising and thanking Him is a unique characteristic, guys. God values us because He created us. Each of us has unique gifts to use in His service and for His glory. These truths can encourage us as we deal with the problems and pressures of the recovery process. God is worthy of our unconditional praise. Even the great spiritual beings in heaven are fervently and continually praising God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. As we make God a daily focus in our lives and offer Him our gratitude and praise... We will discover new freedom from our problems and dependencies. Our painful circumstance will begin to fade away in the light of His glorious love and power. God is greater and more powerful than anything we have to face. We can entrust our lives to Him, follow His will, and then praise Him for the amazing things He will do in us. Amen. Past, present, and future. Praising Him for the amazing things He will do for our past. Praising Him for the amazing things He will do for our insurrections, our mutiny on the bounty, our arson, our backstabbing. Everything we've done wrong, we will burn it up through praise and worship. Sounds too good to be true? You know, 
in, in the big book of, of uh, AA, it says that nothing happens under God's kingdom by mistake. And I assure you that nothing happens in the kingdom of Satan by mistake. He has, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Now you, you start to thank God that Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. Guess what happens? God will go after the, the enemy and take care of his, his son, his daughter, by fixing those things that the enemy has taken and will restore you seven times. Isn't that a wonderful thing to be restored? the faithfulness, and the love of God. Amen. Okay, let's go ahead and read the uh, chapter 3 of Revelations, verse 7 through 22. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true. The one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obey my word and did not deny me. Look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who say they are Jews but are not, to come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones I love. Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never have to leave it. And I will write them the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of my God. The new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God, and I will also write them my new name. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of your mouth. You say, I am rich, I have everything I want, I don't need a thing, and you don't realize that you are rich and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, Gold that has been purified by fire, then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so you will not be shamed by your nakedness and anointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. Wow. Let me read that again. Um, this is the, 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 the priority and the reason why we should worship God in here. Well, look at the benefits we get from worshiping and thanking God for our mishaps, for our wrongs, for the past, just the way it is. 
I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit, spit you out of your mouth, out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. How do you do that? By worshiping him and thanking him for your, for that you were wrong so you, you can be righteous. Thanking him that you've been you done wrong so you can be righteous. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so you will not be ashamed by your nakedness no more and anointment for your eyes so you will be able to see I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what He is saying to the churches. And to me, folks, it's as simple as we filter everything through Jesus Christ. We praise the Lord Jesus before we consider anything. Especially if something's troubling you. Then you praise the Lord Jesus that that thing is troubling you. That's filtering. A kid is troubling you, a son or a daughter, a mother or a father, or a lost friend. You praise the Lord Jesus for that friend. Praising Him is acknowledging Him and opening the door from the inside that you are weak and you need help on that. And the Lord Jesus says, Praise me about them. Anything you put in my hands, I will fix and it will never be a problem again. Not a problem in our hearts of, of, of worry no more. And they are on their way happily and free. Maybe some of them are not yet, but maybe God has an answer for them in their future. And we have to take it by faith that we've done the work. Let us use our worry and our lack of faith to praise God. Okay? Sometimes we hurt more people with our worry and our and our unbelieving than we do if we will concentrate on praising and worshiping Jesus for that person. Because that's exactly what he told us to do. Give thanks in all things, for this is the will of Christ Jesus for you. He said, all things work together for good to those who love God. We haven't qualified by loving God, by first by allowing his love to enter our hearts, and how do we do that, friend? How do we allow God to love us? By Revelations 3.20, opening the hearts from, from the inside. By praising and worshiping that we are mess-ups. God, please. It says, I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. You know what indifference is, folks? 
that we don't need a Savior, that we're okay because we're standing on His mercy and everything looks fine. But the Lord says that we are wretched, miserable and poor, blind and naked. There's more to His kindness and His mercy. Amen. I could be right, you know. (laughs) Let us kneel before God in humility and in silence quiet our souls. Let us kneel before God in humility and in silence quiet our souls. In Psalms 131, verses 1 and 2 and 3 says, Lord... My heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, I have calm and quieted myself. Like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, Put your hope in the Lord, now and always. Amen. Did you see the process of praise and worship in that psalm? Thanking God that you no longer are crying for your past lives. Amen. Proverbs 29, 23. Pride ends in humiliation, while humility brings honor. So, that's one good way to, um, to end pride voluntarily by us with a tambourine praising God for the wrong things we've done and said in our lives just the way they are. Try not to let God change those things. That means we're, we're moving into humbleness. And then humbleness brings honor and brings the friendship of God into our lives. Amen. May the Lord bless us and keep us. Make His face to shine upon us and be gracious unto us. Lift us in countenance today and give us His love and His presence. In Jesus' name, amen.